You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine fingered host. Dan Johnson. Here we are. Hopefully everybody had a great Thanksgiving. You uh, stuffed your bellies. You uh, are able to spend some time with some family. And uh, I know that I have several Thanksgivings I need to attend. So when this podcast actually launches, I will have one down and two to go. Other than that, uh, the time... By the time you're also listening to this, I will already probably have had two helpings of leftovers on Friday, and uh, um, and I'm slowly probably getting diabetes. Other than that, uh, it's Black Friday. Um, I really, really hope that you are not out there in the madness. Um, I know I in the past I've been invited to go, um, and in certain instances kind of been forced to go but uh this year i have stood my ground and i said i will not participate in black friday so i'm probably laying on a couch watching football and uh, enjoying a piece of pie or turkey cold turkey sandwich or something like that so uh if you are participating in Black Friday, hopefully this podcast gets you through the uh, the long lines. Uh, it gets you through uh, your wife or girlfriend kind of flipping through a rack of clothes while you're sitting out in the hallway of the mall one, contemplating suicide. But uh, yeah, <laughs> hopefully this podcast gets you through through your Friday. I tell you what, there's still plenty of time to get out and hunt, guys. I know for me, I've already tagged out on uh, on my buck. I have a couple more does that I'd like to uh, get out there and try to shoot. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to be in the cards for me from a scheduling standpoint until late season. I've uh, I have three doe tags left that I'd like to fill, and then I also at the same time am going to try to get go ahead and try to get my late season 
buck tag here in Iowa, and basically that's a muzzleloader tag that you can get, and you can use a primitive weapon like a like a bow and arrow setup to uh, use to fill that tag as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, today is the second installment of the Hunting Gear Wish List podcast, and uh, I, I really hope you guys liked the very first one because we got a couple more of these today included coming down the pipe and I'm, I'm really hoping you guys found this interesting. I love talking about hunting gear, uh, with regular Joes and, uh, that's what this is. So if anything, I'm, I know I'm having fun doing it, but before we get into today's podcast, let's hear what John Livingston from deer lab has to say about how easy deer lab is to use deer lab is a web-based service that helps you manage and analyze your trail camera photos. We work with any trail camera. It doesn't matter what kind of trail camera you have. Um, You upload your photos to our service. As long as it has a timestamp, we can work with it. And so we basically go in and pull weather data from your local weather station and give you additional information that trail cameras can't capture. We also aggregate all of the data together. So you know when and where this particular buck is moving, uh, how he's moving by wind direction and wind speed. Uh, There's a lot of different reports that we can provide, but we basically are trying to simplify the process. Instead of having to manually understand what he's doing, we automate a lot of that information. If you guys want to find out more information about Deer Lab, please visit DeerLab.com slash nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers. DeerLab.com slash nine fingers. And uh, sign up for their free 30-day trial period. Um, That's only an offer to the Nine Finger Chronicles listeners. So uh, take advantage of that. Now let's get into today's podcast with returning guest Adam Parr. All right, on the phone with me now, all the way from Colorado, is returning guest Adam Parr. How are you doing today, Adam? Hey, Dan. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I must say that me and you have been texting a lot the last couple of days, and uh, I'm a bit jealous that you've been out. You've been out in uh, eastern Colorado chasing whitetails. Yeah, yeah, it's been a blast. Yep. So uh, tell, tell us a little bit about uh, Eastern Colorado for whitetails. I guess when, when I think of, hey, let's go whitetail hunting, I don't think of Eastern Colorado. What, uh, what's it like out there? What have, what have you seen this last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's kind of a sleeper, and most people don't really think of whitetails. They usually think of muleys or, or different animals um, like elk or, or sheep people come to Colorado for, but there's actually a pretty good whitetail population and it's rather, I guess, easy in the scheme of things as compared to like the Midwest of gaining access to, to hunt properties. Okay. But it's very, it's very challenging in the standpoint of really it's, it's flat. There's hardly any terrain and there's not a lot of trees. I mean, there's river bottoms, Yeah. but it's, it's even more, desolate than what I was hunting in Western Kansas. And I thought that was pretty darn desolate, but the Eastern Plains of Colorado, let me tell you, they're definitely challenging. So I've kind of been focusing on CRP fields for like bedding area and, uh, in close proximity to food sources. So cut corn fields and, and wheat fields. And I've, I've been able to get into some good whitetails. And unfortunately this last weekend, I, I missed a shot on a, 
he's close to 140, not a monster, but I hit a, uh, hit some of the weeds when, when I shot and the arrow just deflected and is, uh, it was a miss. So, but it, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a challenge. But <laughs> so how do you approach that? You just glass from your truck and then you, uh, see something from a distance and then make your move or, or, or are you already in the field where you do your glassing? So it's a little bit of both. I predominantly will glass from my truck. And when I say there's really no terrain, it's, there is some terrain where you have a little bit of an advantage, but yeah. it's nothing like what you have in Iowa or yeah. the hilly terrains of the mountains. But yeah, so I'll, I'll basically sit up on the road in my truck and I will glass because the CRP, you really can't see anything unless they stand up where they're moving. So if they're vetted, you're not going to see them. So I, I glass and once I see a buck I want to shoot, I'll either leave from the truck if I've got the wind right, or I'll drive around to the other side and just start kind of working my way in them. But if it's in the mornings when there's not a lot of wind or late in the evening, I'll kind of post up in an area that I won't have to necessarily move, hoping that they're going to come by because really you want that midday, midday, um, usually the wind picks up. And okay. ideally you want something around a 15 to 20 mile an hour wind to cover your, to cover your uh, movement as far as the sound when yeah. you're moving through there. So, and usually in the mornings from what, where I've been hunting, it, it's been pretty mild or hardly any wind. So you're not going to be able to move around in there. So locate them from the truck and then spot and stock. Nice. So, uh, you, uh, I mean, you missed the guy this week, uh, how many stocks did you actually go on before you actually had a shot opportunity? That was actually the second one. And I actually tried stalking in on him last weekend. Not so I was hunting this like last weekend, but the weekend before that yeah. same deer, I tried getting on. So really it was the second stock of uh, since I, and I really only been hunting two weekends. Now I didn't even start hunting till what was it? November 12th something like that. That was my first hunt. But yeah, I just, I was kind of waiting. I'd I'd seen some other bucks, but nothing I wanted to shoot. So it's a matter of just locating one that you want to go after. So, and and at this point I've only, I've got very few deer on that property that are, you know, 120 or better. Right. Probably probably one, 130 and this 140. That's the biggest I've seen. So is it, uh, are they mature just with small antlers or is it just kind of a three-year-old type of scenario? What's the, what's the age? Yeah. Yeah. For most part, what I've seen is, is three-year-olds. I haven't seen anything. I've got my trail camera up. I actually got my Exodus camera up there. I bought one of those in the, in the uh, summer and this was the first chance I had to put it out. And um, yeah, it's a, I've got some pictures of a couple three-year-olds and, and, uh, and some other two-year-olds, a lot of year and a half old bucks, but yeah, just the age structure from what I've seen, I don't, I don't know if it gets hunted hard year to year or just if the older deer aren't on this parcel that I'm currently hunting, but gotcha. yeah, nothing, nothing like a 150, 160, what I had at my Kansas properties. Okay. Well, Today, this is a continuation of this new series that we're doing, the uh, hunting gear wish list um, kind of series that we're doing. And we've already have, I've already done one and uh, 
and now this is kind of the continuation of it and and the the whole the whole process or the whole idea of this is to get some hardcore bow hunters on uh, to talk about products that uh, they don't have that maybe they wish they wish they had or they have um you know have been saving up for for a while so um just like the last podcast that we did, uh, the, the categories are a hundred dollars, give or take $500, give or take, and, uh, $2,000, uh, give or take. So I think, uh, the, uh, we'll just start off like we did last time. And Adam, why don't you talk to, uh, tell us what, if you had a hundred dollars left over and, uh, you know, had some extra money to spend, what is the first product that you would want to buy? So the hundred dollar category I am going with Onyx Maps, a okay. subscription. So you, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with Onyx Maps, it's essentially a GPS system, mapping system. And it, 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 it's just much more, in the scheme of things, it's much more user-friendly than what I found okay. comparative to like a handheld GPS. Um, you, can, you can actually get a chip. You can buy the chip for your current GPS, or you can just download the app on your cell phone and use your cell phone for your GPS. But, um, each subscription is $35 per state. So I would buy three subscriptions, which would put me at $105, a little over. So I would go with Colorado, Kansas, and Iowa. Okay. So I, I, I just like Onyx maps a lot because, it's it's much more user friendly. You can change different layers to see what's public, what's private. You can see um, t- topography. You know where you're at at all times with the private land parcels. It shows you landowner names and addresses. So wow. that's great for me. Like if I'm going out to Kansas or Colorado and I want to knock on some doors, I know the landowner name before I get there. Um, it's an aerial photo, just, just, um, aerial map, just like uh, Google earth or a mapping system that way. So you can still see the terrain and, and what kind of cover you're working with and you can mark stuff on there. It's just super user-friendly and it's literally changed the way I have hunted. Cause I want to know, especially if I'm hunting public land, I want to know where those boundaries are at, yeah. how to maybe find some areas that might be tougher to access. And, um, to me, it's just, it, it, it literally has changed, changed the way I've hunted. And I just started using it last March. So not even a year. And I, I can't believe I've hunted without it, um, okay. to, to date. So you've already, so, you, you've already used this product. You would just buy additional maps for, for that. Yeah. Well, you have to buy it by per, per year. So oh, it okay. runs out each year you have to resubscribe and then, yeah, I would just buy additional, additional States that I don't currently have. Like right now I just have Colorado. Okay. And which is, which is all I really need because that's all I'm hunting this year. But if uh, next year I plan on hunting Colorado, Iowa and Kansas. So I'd want all three okay. States for, for Onyx maps. Okay. Now I don't know if you know this or not, but does, if you don't get any cell phone reception in those areas, or maybe you don't get your mobile data, does that app still work? Yep. It does. You, the, the only thing you have to do is 
Um, for example, if you know you're going to be hunting a certain area, like most of the time you're not going to be hunting like five units or you're, you're, right. you're pretty much for that day or for that week, you're going to be pretty concentrated. But if you know where you're going to be hunting, what you got to do is just go in and pre-download the, the map. Okay. Um, and essentially you just select all these squares that, that are for that specific area pre-download those at your house, like on Wi-Fi or with your cell phone reception. And then, so then they're a saved map. So okay. you can literally turn your phone on airplane mode and still pull up the map and still have all the intuitive features and see the boundaries and, and still know where you're at on the GPS. Okay. So that's so, all you have to do. Yep. So, so your navigation moves with you even in that airplane mode. Yep, exactly. Cool. Yep, you can still mark coordinates. Everything still syncs up. And then what I do is I, I have an external battery um, charger that I bring with me, especially on elk hunting, okay. where I can't go back and charge it all the time and just keep it charged that way. But, yeah, you can still view the maps even if you're out of cell phone service. Cool, cool. And you said that was $35 per state. You get three states. So, yeah, over 100. Just, just a little over 100. Over 100. Okay, cool. Yep. And some states might even be 30. I just know Colorado is 35 and I think I've seen other ones on there for 30, but yeah, it's an annual fee and you got to buy it every year. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move on to the second, uh, product in the hundred dollar range. So my second product would be a new hunter safety system vest. And, um, specifically the ultralight flex and that vest retails at ninety nine ninety five, So it's hundred bucks. Okay. And, and why, why did you decide to get a new, why would you decide to get a new safety harness? So I currently have a hunter safety system vest, but it's a, it's a few years. It might even be like three or four years old now. And I like it a lot, but it's, it's a little bit on the heavy side. It's a little bit bulkier. It's still one of the ones that's using, I don't know if you remember the ones that are using like the seat belt buckles. Yep. So it's, it's kind of heavy, kind of clunky. It's got the metal on more metal on there. So you're, you're making more noise if you hit up against your stand or your clink your bow on it. Okay. So not that it's not functional right now. It's just the, the super or the ultra light flex harness is a little bit more of a lower profile harness where it's, it's not as big of like straps and it's not, it's not like a big vest. Like my current one is mine. Mine looks like a hunting vest that I'm wearing right now. This one's more like you see uh, just kind of like the, the straps that are skinnier. So it's lighter weight. This one only weighs two pounds and, um, but still, still meets the need. So shedding some weight and, um, some improved features that make it a little bit quieter is, is why I would, I would go to that vest and why I would like to upgrade. Okay. So other than a hunter safety system, did you look at any other, uh, safety harness systems that, uh, before you decided, Hey, maybe I like this one the best. I didn't actually, and I know there are other, other ones on the market that are similar. Um, like muddy, muddy has some, I think gorilla K 
can't remember, but I'm, I'm most familiar with hunter safety system and they're kind of, I guess, industry standard or they've been around the longest. So it's just what I'm most familiar with. And, and, uh, so that's kind of what I went with. Yeah. Gotcha. And that, you said that was basically a hundred bucks. Yep. 99, 95. Okay. All right. Now, uh, let's move on to the third product in that hundred dollar category. So my third product would be a game cart. Okay. And I would specifically go with the Cabela's deluxe game cart and that retails. It's actually, so I was checking it out today and Cabela's is actually running a special on it right now. And they do, I, I see them pop it up every like month or couple months, but normally it's 150 bucks, but they've got it on sale for a couple of weeks for 99.99. So it's a hundred dollar game cart. Okay. So when it's not on sale, it's 150 roughly. Yeah. And there are some other ones on there too that are, are at a hundred dollars normally. And they're pretty similar. I just figured, Hey, I could probably catch this one on sale at some point. Gotcha. But, um, but yeah, game so card of all the products that are out there, why would, you know, let's say, you know, you've, you've chosen three products here and that was the, the assignment, but why of all the other products out there in that hundred dollar category, why a game cart? So for me specifically, and this is just for me specifically, I, right. I feel like I've, as far as like the gadgets and, and hunting gear, I, not that I don't have everything, but I have the essentials that I need, like a good bow and all the accessories and, um, you know, range finders and, and kind of all that stuff. So for me, I'm kind of looking at because of the style of hunting I'm doing with public land hunting a lot of the time, whether it's whitetail or Western hunting for elk or big game, I'm looking at more along the lines of trying to either a get gear in if I'm packing stuff in or mainly getting getting game out so if i've got a white tail down on public land like last year in kansas i had me and my buddy had to drag that my buck i mean we could have quartered it out but we probably had to drag the deer a half mile and we didn't have any sort of cart and it just makes it super difficult so if i could spend a hundred dollars and it's always been something i wanted but i just never haven't haven't spent the money on it i a game cart would definitely suit me well. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and then when you were, when you were looking at this, this specific game cart in that uh, hundred to $150 range, what, um, were there other game carts out there that were maybe like really expensive or, uh, either like dirt cheap that you looked at as well? Or is it just kind of the, Hey, I was flipping through Cabela's and I like this one. Yeah, it was kind of a game cart to me is a game cart. Um, there's some features that I like. There's there's one, I forget the name of it, but it's it's got four wheels instead of two. Okay. And the, and the wheels have like an independent kind of suspension system. So it makes it really nice for going over like logs or downed um, trees or uh, sticks or rocks. It yeah. kind of moves and it doesn't, it's easier to get over it and it doesn't kind of like want to tip it over. So I was looking at one of those. I think it was closer to $200 for that one. 
So right. if I had a little bit more budget, then I'd probably go up to something like that. But this one was a good mix of, I mean, it didn't have everything on it, but it seemed like a good mix of size, uh, good, good weight. So it wasn't super, super heavy to like haul in by itself and just seemed like it was functional enough to throw a deer on there. Or if I'm in a certain area of elk country where I can throw a quarter or two on there, um, at least, to to minimize some of that kind of strain on your back or packing everything off the mountain. Right. I think it could become, could be a very useful tool. Okay, cool. All right. So that, uh, that rounds out the $100 category. Now let's go ahead and move yep. in into the $500 category. What's the first one you have for us there? Product number one, I went with the Kenetrek 400 gram mountain extreme hunting boot. Okay. So that that one retail those boots retail at four eighty five. Okay. So just under five hundred dollars. Okay. What is it? And and this is a crazy product too, because there are several boot companies out there, um, all you know, all claiming that they're the toughest, you know, the badass boot on the uh, on the market. I hear I hear a lot of. I've never personally tried Kenetrek, but I've heard good things about them. Um, why Kenetrek and why that boot specifically? So, Kenetrek. One of my coworkers here. He's a he's a pretty big hunter and he's lived out in Colorado for 10 years and he has these exact same boots and he absolutely loves them. And so I, I personally, like you, I've never actually tried them on, but I've heard such good reviews about them, especially for Western hunting that even though they are super expensive, I mean, most people are like 485, $500 for boots. You're crazy, but from what I've heard from, from reviews and the features about them, I think they're definitely worth the money um, for upgrading. And this probably is something, this is something on my wish list probably for 2017 that I probably, uh, most likely I will buy yeah. because, um, because they're so much better than my current boots. Right. I tell you what, that's one, when you, when you think about it, especially if you're going to be in the mountains, um, maybe not so much yeah. as you're as a tree stand hunter, but I can, my boots when I went out West were really broken. Um, I got wet, I got them wet and they were kind of damp or, and, or wet the entire rest of the trip. But mm-hmm. I can understand now after doing some of, you know, doing what I've done for so many years that a good pair of boots or footwear can literally change the amount of time you spend out there. It can change your attitude. It can change like, so I can actually see spending in my opinion, that amount, if not more on a really good pair of boots to make one comfortable, whether it's in the tree stand or out on the mountainside. That's exactly it. Cause if you think about it, especially for Western style hunting where you're on the move constantly, going through rugged terrain your feet are everything if you don't if you can't walk because you have blisters your feet are wet and your wet feet are causing blisters or you're uncomfortable or you're cold or you don't have the support yeah yeah i mean it's it's literally everything and that's what you that's your number one tool in my mind to be able to put the miles on right so 
so like you said, as, as a tree stand whitetail hunter, that's walking, you know, a hundred yards or, um, you know, is, is doing more of a stationary position style hunting, which most, most of the Midwest, um, does. Yeah. I have a hundred dollar pair of, of rubber knee highs and that's perfect. Cause I'm, I, those are warm, they're waterproof, they're comfortable, but there's, there's no way in hell I'd walk around the mountains with them or, or even, or even Western Kansas or Eastern Colorado. I mean, I still put on quite a bit of miles out there when I'm spot and stock hunting, but, um, you know, the train's not necessarily as rugged as the mountains, but I would so much rather have a good hiking style boot if I'm spot and stock and walking than, than just more of a, a cheap pair of rubber boots or, or something along those lines. For sure. So what is, is this boot, this particular boot, is it for warm weather? Is it for cold weather or is it kind of right in the middle? It's kind of right in the middle. It's a, it's a 400 grams of insulation and that's currently what I have. So like right now I have for, for Western hunting in the mountains, what I use this year, elk hunting and what I'm currently using out in Eastern Colorado. It's a, it's Cabela's, it's a Mendel, Mendel boot, which is a good quality boot. I think it was, I bought them from Cabela's for $209. So relatively expensive. So I'd say they're middle of the road and they're good quality. But where I really noticed, and they fit really good, they're super comfortable, but where I really am wanting more, especially for tackling the mountains, is um, better support. And as far as like your ankle support and foot support. Right. And then two, being much more waterproof. And I've, I've heard from from the, the, the kind of tracks, they're just, they're completely waterproof. Whereas mine say that they're waterproof, but <laughs> it's kind of like your situation. My feet got wet and they're kind of wet for a few days and, and we're crossing rivers and it's not like I'm walking through the water all the time, but when you're trying to cross a river or a stream, you definitely, definitely want your waterproof, uh, your boots to be waterproof because as soon as they get wet, you're either having to stop for a while to dry them out or you're just going to deal with it and be uncomfortable and potentially right. get blisters and, and whatnot. So right. from, from what I've seen and, and read and talked to people in person about they're they're a bulletproof boot, super high quality. They're going to last you for years. They fit great right out of the fit great right out of the box. So there's, there's very little uh, break in period. And, um, for, and with that 400 grams of insulation, it's, it's kind of an all seasons, boot like i my current boots are 400 grams right now and people talk about them being too hot if you're hunting in september for example an archery season for elk and when i was using them this year i had one pair of of kind of medium weight uh, merino wool socks and those 400 gram boots and i i really didn't feel my feet get overheated really at all okay i even with that 400 grams insulation so i think it's with that, it's a, it's a good all season boot and it's going to be a bulletproof boot for the mountains. So I'm actually, I probably will have this for 2017. Okay. All right. So moving on to the second product in the $500 category. Second product, I'm going with a redneck hay bale blind. 
Okay. And specifically, the it's the Sportsman HD model. And that one retails at five forty nine, so we're a little bit over budget, but it's right about that five hundred dollar category. Right. Okay. Now, uh, and I take it it's because you know there's not a lot of trees in Colorado and or Western Kansas where you do a lot of whitetail hunting, but um, and again there are a lot of blinds hunting blinds on the market. Why? Why redneck? and specifically why the hay bale. Yeah. So I have not really a big blind hunter in general, and I've hunted out of some, some blinds, mainly pop-up blinds. And, and I've never really spent the money on them. I mean, I've had some that are like 150, $200 and you kind of get what you pay for. And, um, to, to me, I, I went with, with this blind, uh, like you said, for, for one, I'm hunting in areas without any trees and specifically I'm trying to like, this would be more of an early season kind of thing that I want because in, in Eastern Colorado and Western Kansas, there's in some of these fields you have, um, like for example, on my Western Kansas property, he has a water tank that, that, um, there's really no trees around, but the deer just flock to it like crazy and i've so wanted to be able to hunt there over that especially like early september or mid-september when kansas archery season opens right and so it'd be such an advantage to uh to be able to hunt there and and try out some of those spots and so i've i've looked at the redneck blinds for a while and from what i've from what i think did you have them on a podcast i can't remember yep we had redneck you might have yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so yeah, just listening to that and the quality of the of the design and and everything, um, you know, it's not going to fade. It's they, they use different materials where it's not going to rust. So for one, the quality, uh, the more the more I bow hunt and the more I spend time doing this, I've found that you kind of do have to pay a little bit extra. But with that, you 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 typically get better. Uh, quality products and for me the more i do it and the older i get i will pay the extra price to get better quality so i don't want my stuff to fail or uh, not get the experience i want when i'm hunting so um, redneck from the standpoint of reliability and quality and, and just a good overall product um i also one of the factors uh, specifically with the hay bale blind I like about it because I think it blends in a lot better with more of the agriculture environment that I'm hunting in. So they're like, for example, in some of those neighboring fields, there's these, um, I think it's like feed standing feed. So they cut the feed and then they bail it up into round bales for, for the cows. And there's a ton of those around. So I could probably pop that thing up next to this water hole or wherever I'm at in this open field. And I think those deer would get really used to it or wouldn't even really pay much attention to it. So there's other blind options that you can go with, such as more of like a um, camo pattern. But I like the I like the uh, hay bale because I think it's going to blend in a lot better for my environment specifically. Right. 
that's um, one that's that, one thing that I've heard about the hay bale blind. It you know, aside from all the specs, the product specs and, and stuff like that, is the fact that it takes less time for an animal to get used to it. And for someone who may be on a you know, a four day hunt, that's kind of important. Exactly. Exactly. And in in this particular blind it, it fits up to two hunters probably one very comfortably so you got a lot of room to to move around it's not like a super huge blind but definitely functional enough that you can move around and still bow hunt out of it it's uh its dimensions are 70 inches in height 64 inches in length and 72 inches in width so again it's not the biggest blind on the market but definitely functional for what i would need it weighs 122 pounds so not super lightweight but definitely I could still, you know, grab a buddy or even just load that thing up in the back of my truck and, and move it to a different place. Um, pretty, pretty easily. I would, I would imagine. So, um, yeah, I think it would just be a good fit, especially if somebody wants to come out and, and, and hunt with me. It's, it's something where you don't have to get all your gear around to set up a tree stand or, um, get them into a safety harness. It could be something that, that you could throw a heater in if you're looking to do a late season hunt. Um, it's just, a. I think it would be a really good tool for me to have in particular the area that I'm hunting and, uh, for, yeah, about 500 bucks. I think it'd definitely be worth it. And what was the price? You said that was 550. Yeah. 549 okay. is what I've seen it for. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now moving on to the last product in the $500 range. So last product would be a wireless trail camera. Okay. And specifically I went with the covert Blackhawk 12.0. Okay. And it's a Verizon Verizon service so that's what I have. And that retails for 449.95. So under a little bit under budget there. Right. Okay. Why a wireless trail camera? So for where I hunt, I, I, I don't have the luxury of, of driving 20 minutes down the road or walking out my back door to be able to check cameras. Most of my properties, like where I'm hunting at right now, it's a four-hour drive. And if I'm hunting western Kansas, I'm looking at five and a half, six-hour drive. And also, I would I would benefit from throwing it up here in the mountains where you have service. Like, for example, where I shot my bull, this year, I actually do have full LTE uh, cell service, so I could throw up a camera there even. So right. being that I don't live somewhere where I can just go out in my backyard or drive 20 minutes away and check a camera, I have been wanting a cell phone camera for a while just to – it's it's instant. So you don't have to do anything. There's little intrusion, and I could be 100 miles away. I could be 1,000 miles away, and I'm still going to get those pictures. Right. And are, are you going with a product like this because it's one of those things where you want to be able to use your vacation time as efficient as possible or just because you like seeing stuff in real time? <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. I I love checking trail cameras cuz I just I you know, we all we all love it. It's like opening up a Christmas present almost, but yeah, I and plus two, I think it would be a lot more efficient in in my scouting. So 
Um, so I wouldn't have to necessarily spend a weekend and, and go out and check some cameras and, and take up, you know, a full day or a couple of days of time due to the, the amount of driving I have to do to get to where I need to go. Right, right. So I think it's a little bit of both and like, I don't need it per se, but it, right. it would be, it would be nice. And, um, I went with the covert, uh, brand just because I've used their cameras in the past. I like them. They're, they're definitely a good camera. Um, now if Exodus had a, <laughs> I think they should come out with a wireless trail camera, but, um, uh, if they had a, if they had a cell phone camera, I would definitely buy that just, just from what I've used so far with their cameras. I really like them. And I think with their direct consumer model, they probably could come out with a camera that's probably cheaper than, than, uh, what, you know, somebody who's selling through a conventional retail, um, market. So, so yeah. Um, I I don't know if I should say this or not, but I, I, I heard some (laughs) things. I heard some things. All right. (laughs) But, but anyway, Uh, um, note taken. Yeah. Note taken. (laughs) But, um, but as far as wireless, uh, I think, I think covert switched to Verizon. I think they might've been on AT&T when I, cause I have a wireless trail camera too, but, um, okay. uh, uh, and it's an old covert, but my hunting property where I want to have, you know, the, cause ideally you don't want a trail camera. You don't want to use a wireless trail camera, so, like something that's easy to get to. You want it someplace where you don't want any intrusion and unfortunately for me that's some river bottom ground where it's in a low spot surrounded by some bluffs or some ridges and it's i i don't even get my cell phone service there so um yeah so yeah it's one of those things where it's just it sucks it's yeah it's, it's Pointless. I mean, it can still be used as a trail camera, but I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I would love someday to get another wireless trail camera. Yeah, and and like for your situation, it's a little bit different because a lot of people for Midwest hunting or hunting smaller properties, yeah. they're using it more along the lines because they don't want to intrude or they don't want to disturb yeah. that area at least not, and potentially you know blow a deer out of the area. I'm I would be using it more along the lines because I live so far away. Right. And I, I don't have the luxury of checking them as often as I'd like. Right. And um, most of the places I'm putting them in, I mean, there's a few that there's actually probably one place. There's a pretty thick bedding cover on one of my properties in Kansas that I could probably throw it in. And, and cause I don't like to go in there cause they, they bet in there. But right. for the most part, I can get to a lot of my cameras um, in areas that are easy to get to. And they're not in places that are close proximity to where they're betting. Right. Okay. So wireless trail camera for $450. Uh, and that's the last one on the $500 range. Now, now we bump up to, uh, a tooth, a $2,000 product range. So, uh, tell us the first product there. So first product, I'm going with a Maven optics spotting scope. And that is the S s1 model and that's a 25 by 50 and that retails for 2100 dollars. so i'm a little over budget there but right right in that right around that two thousand dollar mark yep okay um now maven is another direct to consumer uh product uh and i've actually had those guys on the show 
as well. They were one of the very first companies I think that uh, came on the podcast, but um, there are, and I think I talked about this on the last podcast that we did, but there are several uh, optics brands out there. Why, why Maven? Well, first and foremost, for me, it comes down to price. So a lot of, a lot of, uh, optics companies, and, and as you mentioned, they're a direct to consumer model. They can, they can offer a much higher quality, uh, piece of glass for uh, a much lower price because of the, the model that they're, they're only selling direct. So first and foremost, it comes down to price Two, um, it comes down to, to quality as well. And, and I met the guys that I've been at some shows with them and I've actually tested out and, and tried out their, their spotting scopes and binoculars. And they are, they are very good. I mean, they're, they're super high quality where you notice it a lot from what, from what they say. And, um, from what I've read and I, I think I, yeah, I think I listened to your podcast with them as well, but they perform really well in, in low light, um, oh, yeah. low light scenarios. So it's essentially you're getting a, um, you know, maybe something comparable to along the lines of maybe a $3,500 or $4,000 spotting scope okay. for close to 2000. So, so do you currently yeah, have a spotting scope? I, I don't, I, right now I'm currently just using a 12 by 50 pair of binoculars, which is, I would say it's a pretty good mix of power yet not like so powerful that you need you need a uh, tripod or a rest to to really focus in on so i'm using a vortex hd um viper hd or something like that 12 by 50s and i i really do like them it's just for me for for the western style hunting like for example there's spots where i'm hunting in eastern colorado and western kansas i have a mix of both whitetail deer and mule deer utilizing the same properties and so and sometimes it's tough to tell and i'm getting better at it but sometimes it's tough to tell if that's a mule deer or if that's a whitetail and with my current binoculars if they're a half a mile off or you know i you really can't tell until you get closer to them and sometimes unfortunately you can't um until you actually get out there and start stalking them so that's a that's a big influencer and then also as I, I guess, mature in, in bow hunting, I'm getting more and more picky with the animals I want to shoot. So I want, now it's, it's coming down to the lines of like, all right, I don't want to shoot that deer unless I know he's mature or has, you know, I'm not necessarily all caught up on the score, but I definitely want to shoot something that's 130, 140s or above, and then also be a three or four year old deer. So sometimes it's tough to tell from a long ways what's what and be able to decipher. Is that a hundred inch deer or a 140 inch deer or is he a three-year-old or is he a two-year-old? So having the extra power of a spotting scope and uh, would, would certainly help figure out some of the details and specifics, getting something, um, you know, in range and, and knowing what it is before you go after it. Okay. All right, moving on to number two in this category. So number two, I'm going with a Canon EOS 80D DSLR camera. 
And um, you said the 80, camera I found the ADD. Yeah, it's an ADD. Okay. Yeah, eight zero D. Yep. And it's a DSLR camera. Gotcha. Okay. And um, the one I was looking at came. The package I was looking at came with a couple lenses. And, um, that came out to be about $1,500 for like a, for really, uh, you know, a lens that's going to poke out their ways. And then a lens that's closer for closer up. So a couple of different lens options. And then I kind of left $500 in the budget for, you know, a good tripod, a good bag, memory cards, accessories and stuff that you have to buy along with that. So I didn't total everything up exactly what I needed, but based on that, I could definitely be right around that $2,000 and it wouldn't be hard to go well above $2,000. I was just looking at something that would fit that budget. <laughs> As you probably know, I mean, right. cameras can get super expensive, uh, real yeah. quick. Yep. I just purchased uh Canon, uh, 5d Mark three this summer. And, uh, and then I've had some other lenses and stuff. So, it's one of those things where camera equipment like that, if you want to, and I'm kind of the the kind of guy who's like, I I want to pay for the quality, right? So especially yeah. especially with something like this, I make I make some side money off of uh, photography. So uh, nice. So I I want to buy a really good camera, but uh, is this because you want to start? filming some of your hunts or taking still shots of some of your hunts? Yeah, that's really the main reason for it. I, I don't think I want to jump right into actually like filming hunts. I, it just throws a whole, I've done that before and I kind of got out of it and it just throws a whole different kind of ball game, I guess, into, into your hunts. And it's a, it's a lot tougher than what people think. And it, it just adds a whole nother element. So yeah, now now that I have a blog and um, I do a lot of like Western hunting and yeah, the more I just like the more I kind of get into it, I just want to be able to document different things and take right. really high high quality like still photos and then right. do a little bit of video on the side, like if I can, like maybe a recovery video or maybe like different tutorials or kind of short two minute videos for YouTube for my blog and stuff like that and everything's about hunting is what it comes back to. But yeah, just, I kind of just want to be able to take some really good photos and, and document things, um, as I go further into, I guess my hunting career. So that's really the reason behind it. Okay. So let's talk, maybe, maybe, you know, this, maybe you don't, what kind of megapixels does this ADD have? You know, I really didn't, I didn't look into it, um, too in depth. I know it shoots like 1080p HD video. Okay. Um, and maybe I would go with a different model camera. I just pulled up this one cause it was in the budget I was looking right. for, but maybe I would go with something other than a Canon or whatever. But, um, I, I wasn't looking for something necessarily top of the line, but something that wasn't bottom of the barrel either and i think that's where this price point kind of really put me in which which would be perfect for me right exactly okay um cool so uh a a video camera it's a video slash still still camera and uh some accessories to go along with it cool all right 
Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, that's kind exactly. of unique. I didn't, uh, I didn't think something like that was going to be coming down the line, but, um, I, I think that's one thing that if you're serious about hunting, whether you're just, you know, hunting by yourself or you have a family and you take your family hunting really good quality pictures can be, I think are very important, especially if you're the kind of guy who's like me, who, you know, I'm getting ready to build an office. I'm going to transition the nursery to an office, uh, in my house here pretty soon. And I have, I have all these cool pictures that I want to hang in there of, you know, my wife fishing, me and my wife fishing's my, my daughter's first fish she ever caught. Uh, you know, some of my, my, uh, trophy pictures from, um, previous hunts. And, uh, I think it, uh, I think that has a lot to say. If you if you invest in a camera, a, a decent camera, uh, some of those uh, memories can last for a long time. Yeah, that's exactly it. And and uh, right now, I've just been using my iPhone, right? And you can right. take some all right photos, but they're not nearly as what good as what you're going to get with a camera like this. And right. you're right. I mean, it's something that you can look back on, and it's not necessarily something that necessarily makes you a better hunter although i guess if you are video videoing like your actual shot you can go back and and look at the shot placement and where it hit and 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 that would be a good tool but i'm looking at it as more along the lines to really preserve those memories um really shoot some badass pictures um use it for my blog all that stuff and and um i think it would yeah I, i would really like to get one Gotcha. All right. And now the last product in this uh, $2,000 range. So this one's kind of a little bit off the wall too, but I decided to go with a truck bed camper, a used truck bed camper, because there wasn't anything I could get for a new or a new one that would, would fit this budget. Okay. Now explain to me on this truck bed camper fits in the bed of your truck, obviously. Uh, Is it a, are you yep. looking at something like a pop-up or something that's already up? So there's, there's, yeah, you can get either or. Typically what I'm finding more along the lines of the price range under $2,000, you're probably going to have to go with a pop-up truck bed camper. Okay. But my buddy just picked one up. I think he only spent like a grand on it. And it needed a little bit of TLC and he put some different stuff into it. And, uh it's a, it's a solid body. So you don't have to do anything once you walk in or, or set anything up. So I, I really think I could find either, or I would like a rigid, rigid frame where it's just fully enclosed and you don't have to pop it up Yeah. just for the fact of not having to do anything once you get to where you're going. Right. But I've also kind of thought about it too, for like clearance issues so like for example like going up in the mountains there's some really tight roads with some overhanging branches or or trees and stuff kind of overhanging some of these i guess you'd call them roads but they're more along the lines of kind of remote kind of jeep jeep trails and i think the pop-up would be a little bit better just for clearance because it collapses down a little bit a little bit shorter so i'm kind of up in the air but I, i think either or would be fine Okay. Well, I tell you what, I have a, I have a pop-up Coleman camper that my dad gave me and, uh, you could, I'll sell it to you, but you'll have to cut the wheels off (laughs) and like like do some kind of uh, custom job to put it in the bed of your truck. 
All right, man. We'll, we'll <laughs> do some redneck, redneck ingenuity there. We'll have, have a beer and we'll go at it. No, yeah, I, that's I thought probably about the worst thing. A, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought about a pop-up camper because a pop-up camper used one would also probably fit in the same budget. But I was just thinking along the lines of like Western hunting. Right. And some of these roads are really tight. They're really rugged. So I kind of want everything all in the bed of my truck and I can still store stuff in there, uh, throw gear in there. You can throw a, um, you see a lot, if you need extra storage, you can get one of those hitch mounted kind of racks that you can throw extra coolers and what on. But for the style of hunting I'm doing, whether it's kind of, um, Western hunting and I'm kind of parking at a, a road and then going from there or, Really, where I'm going out to in eastern Colorado and Kansas would really help out a lot because I'm e- either having to set up a tent and I'll camp out in the farmer's backyard or I'll get a cheap hotel room and, um, you know, so I'm either having to pay like, you know, 50 to $100 for a hotel room a night or I have to go through and set up a tent and it's cold out so you're not sleeping as good and it's uncomfortable sometimes so i think a truck bed camper would really suit me well for the style of hunting i do and trips that i go on and still be comfortable and still have the storage i need and um i think it it would just be a, a great tool for me to have for the, for the, for my own style of hunting now if i just had property that i was hunting on out the back door all the time and didn't have to travel or camp anywhere. Or I didn't go on an, any out of state trips. I wouldn't need it, but for what I do and where I have to go to hunt, um, it's been on the list actually for a while. So that's again, probably something I will have within the next, probably the next year or so. Okay. Well, while I, while I am thinking about it, why don't you remind everybody what your blog is again? My blog is transitionwild.com and really it's because I, I, I'm originally from Michigan and so I moved out to Colorado about a year and a half ago and really it just kind of documents and, and uh, entails primarily hunting but the differences between kind of more of a Midwestern tree stand hunter to more of a, uh, a Western big game hunter. So that's really what a lot of the focus is. Um, I do some product reviews on there. I do some um, kind of informational, educational, how-to tip articles. And I'm kind of just using it, again, too, to document some of my hunts, own personal hunts that are more like a journal as well. And I can go back and look on those for long term. But, yeah, check it out, transitionwild.com. Okay. Now, in regards to a year, I know you, you currently don't have kids, right? Yep. No kids. No kid. Are you married? I forget. No, 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 no. So you're not married. You you got a girlfriend. You're a single guy. What, how much money do you typically spend a year on, on what you say hunting products and go ahead and include if you're using like, say like a camera or a sleeping bag or something like that for hunting trips, go ahead and, and add that in as well. Yeah, so I would say this year would be kind of out of the norm of of what I typically spend. But for example, like what I just mentioned, I'm I'm used to hunting in Michigan, or I was used to hunting in Michigan, and and moving out west, hunting elk or mule deer, or 
big game. It just requires different gear that you need. So I would say I spent, I don't even want to probably know, but, um, (laughs) and some of the stuff I didn't, (laughs) some of the stuff I didn't necessarily need this year, like a new bow and, and things like that. But gosh, I probably spent this year alone, probably 2,500, $3,000. But this was kind of out of the norm. Typically I'll spend, typically I'll spend about, probably 500 to a thousand dollars if you're not counting like gas and right are you right. counting like gas and hotels and stuff like oh, that or yeah, just we don't, need, more, like, we don't gear? want to add we don't want to add that number <laughs> yeah 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 i'd say just on gear probably probably about 500 dollars, and, and a lot of that stuff is is broadheads and arrows and yep. you know maybe a target I've bought a lot of the stuff that I need as far as tree stands and binoculars and range finders. But this year I really kind of upgraded one, my gear as far as clothing. So I went with Sitka gear and bought a lot of their stuff just cause yeah. Western hunting. I mean, you gotta, gotta be able to stay out in the elements and be comfortable and, and, and lightweight and waterproof and windproof. And that I feel like does a good job. Um, up the, the the binoculars upgraded those um bought some camping gear and and lightweight tents and and a good backpack and a new bow and and i kind of splurged this year but it was some stuff that i needed because you, you just flat out need it for the style of hunting you do out here and some of it yep. was just overdue from what i just needed to upgrade in general so it's going to vary but typically i don't get too carried away right okay so, and, and we talked a little bit about this before the, uh, before we started recording, but you also, cause we have a, we have just a little bit of time left and I'm kind of interested. You just purchased a new bow, uh, this week, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. Um, you had, what was the, what was that bow that you ended up purchasing? It's a, it's a 2016 Hoyt Defiant. It's the, it's the 30 inch axle axle. It's not the carbon, right? but I, uh, I got the uh, aluminum riser. So yeah, the, the, the Hoyt Defiant. Okay. Um, and why did you decide to go with uh, a new bow this year? So I, I currently am using a Hoyt from about 2008 and okay. it, and it wasn't one of their flagship bows. It was one I bought while I was in college and I kind of had a budget of around, you know, five to $600. And I think it ended up being about $600 when I bought it. Okay. And, um, so it, it was kind of along the lines of I needed, I didn't necessarily need an upgrade, but with hunting out West, you're typically taking a little bit longer shots. So you want something a little bit quicker, a little bit flatter shooting, and, uh, something that's a little bit lighter weight too. So, um, I've, I've shot the new Hoyts. I've really liked them. And so I decided to, to go with it and, uh, definitely upgrade. And I actually haven't shot my, I've shot the Defiance and the Hoyts before, but I haven't shot this one. I literally just got it a few days ago and have yet to set it up, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be a good bow. And, and, and I went with Hoyt just for the reason of, and you watch their videos and, and what they do in their R and D and, and testing. And I can attest to it just on my own personal use. And for many of my buddies who have used Hoyts, 
literally you can beat those things up and they, they keep going. Um, and for me, durability, especially Western hunting, that means the the most to me. I want something that's going to hold up. I can beat around. I can like, I, I took my last Hoyt the second day I had, or the second day I had it, my dad took it, drew it back and dry fired it. <laughs> I was pissed, but it was fine. It was perfectly fine. The thing was bulletproof. I've dropped that thing out of two trees. I didn't have to do a, a dang thing to it. it. It was perfectly fine. I, I was shooting at a deer one time. I slapped the cam on the rail of my climber, knocked the whole string off, blew up the arrow, the bow itself. We put the string back on. It was perfectly fine. Hoyt, from what I can tell and what I've used and many of my friends' experience, durability um, is number one. Plus, they're a good shooting bow. You really can't go wrong with today's bows and their performance and and. Some have a little bit different draw cycles. Some, some are a little bit more forgiving, but really at the end of the day, what sells me for a hardcore bow hunter or for somebody who's putting as much time into it as I am is the durability and knowing that it's going to perform and, and won't let me down in, in rugged conditions. Nice. Cool. Mr. Parr, I tell you what, man, thanks for coming on the show and talk and, uh, taking part of this little experiment that we're doing here on this, as far as this conversation is concerned about uh, products and gear and whatnot. Um, do you plan on heading back out to uh, uh, Eastern Colorado here anytime soon to uh, continue trying to seal the deal on a whitetail? Yeah, that's the plan. I'm hoping to get back this weekend with Thanksgiving coming around. I, I don't know if I'll have, have the time so i'll be spending some time with family and, and that i have out here but if i uh if i have the chance i'll definitely get out this weekend if not i will do more of a late season hunt probably december time frame when it gets colder some snow on the ground because where i'm hunting currently it's just bedding area surrounded by food so i've got i've got the two most important things to <laughs> to a whitetail for late season i think it could be pretty dynamite if i don't tag out here in the next week or so but um yeah looking forward to getting back out there and and keeping at it perfect well hey thanks again for coming on the show i really appreciate it yeah you're welcome dan anytime wish list podcast number two is in the books thanks to adam for coming on the show and taking time to uh you know, look up all these products that he wishes he had and uh, share those with us. If you guys want to be on this podcast, uh, send me an email, ninefingerchronicles at gmail.com, and you can talk about nine products in that same price category. I'm not sure how many more of these I'm going to do. Uh, just depends on ha- what the feedback's like and what my downloads look like. Uh, tech. Uh, typically, if I get higher downloads, that means people are interested in what I'm having to say So about about uh, those products or whatever series that I'm doing. So I might continue this a little bit further. Uh, uh, what else? I feel like I always go, uh, before I talk, uh, before I talk, uh, before I talk. Anyway, huge shout out to Exodus Trail Cameras and Deer Lab for uh, sponsoring the podcast. If you guys, I mean, Cyber Monday is coming up fast, and that's when a lot of people do online shopping. Don't forget about Exodus Outdoor Gear and Exodus Trail Cameras. Um, If you guys are looking for 
a new trail camera this year, I strongly suggest Exodus, and you can save $20 by entering the code 9FINGERS. That's the number 9 followed by the word FINGERS, all, all together, no spaces, during checkout of a purchase of the trail camera. Also, I've already talked about Deer Lab, and that is deerlab.com backslash 9FINGERS. Go visit that, find out more information, sign up for their 30-day trial period. Both would be great gifts. Other than that, follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram. Uh, I know I do a lot of different type of pictures on Instagram than I do on Facebook and Twitter. So um, if you don't have an Instagram account, get one and follow me. Go to iTunes and leave a review and that's about it. I think that's all I have to say today. Hopefully you guys are having a great four day weekend. Uh, Hopefully you don't have to work. If you do, hopefully this podcast got you through and you have some leftovers to go home to. Thank you very much for tuning in. I really appreciate every download and every person who takes time to listen to this podcast i'm just uh i'm just an average joe sitting in their basement man that's all i am and i'm very appreciative of uh you guys taking time out of your day to spend with me thanks again and uh man it's hunting season we know this and as we're climbing up in the tree be sure to be safe and wear your damn safety harness. Have a good weekend.